is now time for your favorite Sunday tradition. What else is there than the AEW collision review on the Mr. Warren Hayes show? Hello, I'm Mr. Warren Hayes and welcome. It is, like I said, Sunday. It is uh, uh, September 24 and we're going to be reviewing the AEW collision show that happened on September 23rd. We usually do that the next day. We take the time to think about it, sleep on it, so on and so forth. You know, a clear, clear-headed, balanced review. That's what, that is what you can always come to expect here. Oh, absolutely. Every single time. I don't get carried away in emotions and, you know, rants and sidebars. That's, what? That's not, that's not me. What? You're trying to tell me that's what, what's, that's what I do? Hey, point to the evidence. Also, don't. Uh... If you're watching this on YouTube right now, leave a like and a subscription. I would appreciate it a great deal. Otherwise, uh, five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, five-star ratings on Spotify would also be tremendous and uh, will help uh, grow the podcast and so on and so forth. But uh, I'm a, I'm excited to talk about this, this episode of Collision. I don't know if it's going to be a, a terribly long review. And every time I tell that, I say that. Every time I pre... Look, every time I preempt... Me sitting down at the microphone to do these podcasts, to do these these talk segments. I uh, and I, every time I say, "Oh, well, this shouldn't take too long." Systematically, I tack on twenty five extra minutes for sure. Strap in, folks. <laughs> um, no, but and the reason why, uh, 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 like. The reason why is that I don't know if this is going to be very long because you know it, there's not many things to like break apart and tear apart and 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 and, uh, and deeply analyze. Like it wasn't. There's not all sorts of stuff happening all over the place. This is a collision like we like them. Uh, focused on in-ring action. Some very good in-ring action, by the way, that just led to a tremendous edition of Collision from top to bottom. Up the there is one snafu. There's a little. There's there's one fly in the ointment here. Uh, I'm sure you already know which one it is. We'll get to that when we get to it. But other than that, a tremendous show. Just a tremendous show. Three thousand eight hundred and six tickets distributed, I believe, according to WrestleTix. This did better business than what was anticipated. Um, and the, up up until the 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 lead the lead up, I should say. Uh, I don't know if this is the final count, but uh, not bad for what AEW is doing recently. I'm not saying that this is great, but I'm saying it's not bad. We've seen worse, and there are still worse counts to come. Um, there are still many worse counts to come. Uh, just this week on Dynamite, the go-home show to... Uh, uh, the go home show to um, uh, Wrestle Dream, according to WrestleTix, is still under two thousand distributed. That's that's not good, people. But look, I'm not going to talk about this again. I talked about it a couple of weeks ago on the podcast because I didn't do the Mr. Warren Hayes show this week. I talked about it on the Collision Review this week in regards to attendance. I had my whole attendance spiel here, so. You know, if you want to get into that, there's other places where we can talk about it. I'm not going to reiterate these points here today, but you know, not a bad house. 
but we're still far from we're still we're still very far from a true uptick in business where you're like okay this this absolutely is fantastic but this show though was absolutely fantastic started off real good with the AEW TNT title three-way match where Christian Cage defeated Darby Allen Luchasaurus to actually really become the TNT champion in a really good opener a really good opener here uh Christian Cage of course wants to let Luchasaurus do all the work you know he hinted at this being a you know a little slip of the tongue on Dynamite calling this a handicap match he caught himself but the damage was done uh and so this is this is what we were of course expecting here but uh uh, uh Darby Allen is not having uh is not having Christian Cage go and sit it out uh, at ringside. He dives all over the place, lands a code red on Christian Cage. A heat segment follows by the heels. And uh, Christian Cage, even he even send off, he sends off Luchasaurus at some point to get some plunder. And then he tries to cover uh, Darby, who kicks out. And Luchasaurus sort of looks at him from outside the ring. He's like, brother, did you just really do what I thought you just did here? Of course. You know, Christian Cage being a snake, he's like, eh, come on now. Scorpion death drop by Darby Allen in a coffin drop to the floor. He also does the flipping stunner back in the ring. Luchasaurus touches the title. It comes into play to get throws into the ring and he touches the, the TNT title in his hands for the first time. And the audience is into it. They see this. They understand it. So this story has been connecting. People see the, 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 uh, they, they see the through line here and when Christian Cage comes in to remove it from him, he doesn't quite want to give it up. He's like, no. The belt does come into play with little success, but uh, the end of the match comes when Darby lands a coffin drop on Luchasaurus. Christian Cage then runs in to throw Darby out to the floor, and he covers Luchasaurus to become the champion this time. And Luchasaurus seems a little despondent about this. He doesn't seem very excited. Uh, about the prospect seems a little low but Christian Cage is truly really absolutely right now the TNT champion uh he also says uh, look not that he says anything well why don't we talk about the uh, he has a, a, a an interview with a, a backstage he has a celebratory interview he's dedicating the Wayne the win to Nick Wayne's mom and buddy Wayne who's uh, who is cheering for him from above uh, and he thinks he's done with Darby Allen, but instead uh, he it gets announced that he's being thrown into a two out of three falls match for the TNT title at Wrestle Dream against Darby, which pisses him off. So here's the thing that's going to be really interesting with whatever promos they decide to cut with Christian Cage between now and Wrestle Dream uh, is his verbiage is going to change. It's no longer going to be we are the TNT champion, right? It's going to be, it's, I I did it, I am the guy. Um, you know, I, you already see some 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 ways uh, how this is going to play out. Um, and I think this finally does end with Darby getting the title. And it makes actually a lot more sense for Darby to, well, not that it, no, it makes a lot more sense and it's a lot more compelling for Darby to get the title off of Christian Cage rather than Luchasaurus because Christian Cage has been the catalyst he's been the heel he's been the bad guy 
And this is how he's going to get his comeuppance. By winning the title and a week later losing it to the guy he's been feuding with. I think this is going to be the story they're going to tell. And I think they, you know, they just planted a little seed of doubt with Luchasaurus so that maybe Luchasaurus will have something to do with the with Christian losing the title. Maybe he won't want to interfere or something to that effect. Uh, but Luchasaurus will have a hand in Christian Cage not winning the title at, at Wrestle, uh, losing the title, I should say, at, uh, at, at Wrestle Dream. And, you know, Christian Cage is one of these guys where, you know, he knows when an act has run its course. He doesn't try to stretch things out unnecessarily. And ultimately, like if this is how they play it out, and we'll talk about this more on the on the podcast this Tuesday because I'm going to be previewing Wrestle Dream amongst other things. We're going to have a busy we're going to have a busy Tuesday this week if you come to the live recording at 7 p.m. Eastern on YouTube.com/slash Mr. Warren Hayes. Um, we're going to talk about this more, but I, you know, if this is the path they go down with the two out of three falls, with Darby finally winning the title directly off Christian Cage and not Luchasaurus, uh, this angle will have played out beautifully. What a great pro wrestling angle. There might be, look, there's still the Nick Wayne thing that might come to head, come to a head as well. Like, we're not completely over that as well. Sting will probably, you know, he'll probably be around and whatnot. But as it stands, you know, uh, if if Darby does win the title off of Christian Cage, this angle will have been plotted out just beautifully. Just a classic, well done, well executed. You know, with just enough twists and just talented people all around doing great things. Going to be a great... Yeah, well, but look, talk about it more on Tuesday. But as it stands, this match, really good opener. Nice and strong opener. Alex Marvez is backstage with uh, Don Callis and two of the members of the Don Callis family, Sammy Guevara and and uh, Kaneske Takeshita. Uh, and uh, Callis is talking about uh, about the match uh, being set up for Wrestle Dream with Omega and Jericho being on the same side, and they're name dropping Kota Ibushi. So he names drop he name drops Will Ospreay basically, and they're making this into a six man tag. So this is interesting to me. Because I believe you will agree with me on this one because you are the A-plus audience to this D-list podcaster here. I believe they were setting up Kenesuke Takeshita and Kota Ibushi for Wrestle Dream, right? I can't be the only one who felt that this was the direction we were going. Because of the, you know, the reveal, the big reveal of, you know, Kenesuke Takeshita being the the uh, the alpha now wanting to take away everything that Kenny Omega holds dear, including his his close close golden lover uh, 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 Kota Ibushi, and then they do the thing with the you know with the uh, with the painting and the screwdriver. Like you really felt this this is where they were going, and I don't remember on which show I talked about it. I mentioned it, but you know if this is where they were going, I was a little apprehensive at the idea. Just based on the two previous performances of Kota Ibushi, will he be able to to hold a singles match? And this would have been the this was gearing up to be the the litmus test, the moment where we're like, well, is Kota Ibushi 
still Kota Ibushi or has he devolved into something unrecognizable where we're just like, oh, well, the Kota Ibushi we once knew is absolutely gone because this is this is kind of the feeling I have and a lot of people have. I'm not alone in this. I'm not like I'm not special here, but the two past performances that a, that uh, Kota Ibushi has had in AEW were very um, uh, uh, tepid to say the least. I think I'm being polite. Um, if we get to, so is, did we have to pivot from Kota Ibushi having a singles match at Wrestle Dream for whatever reason? Maybe could be just because Kota Ibushi is not the Kota Ibushi we used to know. And instead of having a singles match, we're throwing him into a, 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 a trios or are we just pushing back this match? Are we just pushing back the Kaneske Takeshita Kota Ibushi singles match to later, to a dynamite, to a bigger event, to the, you know, the next, the, to full gear? Is that what we're doing? I Look, as they say, as Alexa Bliss once told us, let this play out and, and we'll see how this goes. But if, um, if we if we do not get a Kota Ibushi singles match in AEW, I think this is indicative that there's something there's something going on that just doesn't quite that that is not um, that is that is keeping Tony Khan from being secure enough to putting this guy in a one on one match because you would assume that at this point, look. A one-on-one match at WrestleDream, Kanosuke Takeshita and Kota Ibushi is a big-time match. That's a match that wrestling fans want to see. But that's not what we're getting. We're getting a a, a composite. We're getting a, a six-man tag instead. A trios match. We're getting something else. So there's something. There's something that is preventing Tony Khan from going truly all in on Kota Ibushi in a one-on-one spot. But you can absolutely see this match being set up and then driving more matches, bigger matches maybe for full gear, which is entirely possible as well. Again, let's let this play out before we start going crazy here. But... You know, the um, the signs are there, at the very least. The signs are there. Then we had the Christian Cage celebratory interview. We talked about that. Next match we had was Hook and Rob Van Dam in his hometown, defeating Angelo Parker and Matt Menard 2.0. This is a fine little match that, you know, of course, was just meant to get RVD in there, uh, get uh, allow him to get his spots in, and not needing him to work too hard, right? I mean, this there's a lot of smoke and mirrors that went into this match, lots of smoke screening. I don't think this was quite as good or as entertaining as his match with Jungle Boy a couple of weeks ago on Dynamite. Uh, but uh, it was fine, you know. Uh, didn't overstay its welcome. Uh, you know, I think Menard and Parker were fantastic in their roles here. Uh, and it's an interesting choice because if you want to cover up a little for Rob Van Dam and you're throwing him in with Hook, who Hook is still very green. Um, you know, it's an interesting choice. 
But I also understand the connection. Like the spirit of ECW lives on through Hook at this point. This is this is the this is the thing we're doing here. Anyway, the match comes to an end with a five-star frog splash on Daddy Magic, which gets the win while Hook has the red rum locked into Angelo Parker. And I'm very proud of myself to have said the red rum out the gate and not the Tasmission. Pats on the back to me. I get a gold star. The Dark Order are in a pre-tape doing the old recruitment style gimmick of the Dark Order. And uh, and I believe I had my, my, my audio wasn't on the whole way, but I believe um, Evil Uno spoke French. The Kingdom are there. Matt Taven and uh, Mike Bennett. They cut a great promo on the Best Friends. I thought this was a tremendous promo. Uh, also talking about the Next uh, Strong, how they're being Next Strong. And to celebrate Next Strength Awareness Month, they're going to be delivering pile drivers next week against Trent and Chuck. And they're winning me over on this bullshit. What, what do you want from me? This was tremendous. Like the promo was very good and had and and was uh was logical made sense and then they start talking about the next strength stuff and uh how they're drop they're going to be dropping uh pile drivers for neck uh, neck strength awareness month i'm like okay the kingdom man uh underrated so far we're going to talk about tag teams in a second here Julia Hart defeated Kira Hogan. So this was supposed to be Julia Hart versus Willow Nightingale. But uh, they had Kira Hogan step in because uh, apparently uh, Willow got misted by Julia Hart and was sent to a local med- uh, to a local hospital. Uh, I did make note. I did make note that uh, Nigel said hospital and not local medical facility. Um. But there's no video of it. Because, oh, because the House of Black don't, they, because the House of Black, they don't film their shenanigans, which is absolutely fucking false. Because they filmed tossing the boots, the, the Billy Gunn's boots into the trash compactor. So the, I call absolute bullshit on that. I don't know what happened exactly to Willow. I don't know why this was sub, but we're getting Willow and and uh, Julia Hart on Wednesday. But listen, look, I, I, I'm not going to spend much time on this match. You know, this is the this is the fly in the ointment of, a, of an otherwise great edition of Collision. Uh, this was not good. Uh, Julia Hart is not ready. She is not ready. She is so incredibly green. Green, 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 green. And uh, she has to start showing some stuff at the same time because she, like, she is the most... I'm trying to say too many things at once. She feels the most like a rookie out of all the young prospects that they have in the company. Out of uh, Hook, out of Sky Blue, out of Action Andretti. Uh, you can let's toss in Anna Jay in here. She is the one that feels the most unfinished. Now she's got a great look. Uh, the spooky witch gimmick works. Um, and, and, and that's how she's cultivating a fan base for herself, but this was not good. This was not a good match. And, uh, if she, now she's challenging Chris Statlander for the TBS title at WrestleDream, hell of a carry job that Chris is going to have to pull off at, uh, at the pay-per-view. 
because this has the, this is a recipe for a disaster here. This has all the, the, the trappings of not being good. And this is throwing Julia Hart into the deep end way too quickly. And this is a problem that AEW has with a lot of its young talent where it's like they're going to, for two, three weeks, they're going to get these matches leading up to a match and then nothing for months. How are they supposed to improve? How are they supposed to get uh, acclimated to working in front of a crowd, a live audience, thousands of people? We're not just talking about, you know, um, we're, we're not just talking about, you know, the the, the, uh, the Knights of Columbus uh, venue, you know, in your local town in front of 75 people. We're talking a live crowd, live TV on on cable television. What are we doing here? I, it's a discussion as long as AEW has been around, I feel. And Julia is not going to get any better if, she, if if they just put her on in bursts like this. You know, she she had a burst recently with Anna Jay, then all of a sudden, whoop, then she's gone. There's no follow-through, no follow-up. You know, I know a lot of people don't really care, didn't really watch Dark or Dark Elevation, but at the very least, put your people out there, you have them wrestle, you have them get through some reps, short matches, getting in front of crowds, building confidence. I feel Julia Hart, it, that's what she's missing. She's missing that confidence that you get when you're a well-seasoned pro wrestler. Now, she's going to be in the ring on Wednesday against Willow Nightingale. Willow is a solid worker, great base. Much, much more solid than Kira Hogan. Chris Statlander, another solid base wrestler. So, on the flip side, if you never put Julia in matches with these people, with women like Willow, like Chris, then she'll she'll stagnate. She'll stay on the level of whoever she's wrestling, but if you get her into these positions, the problem that we have here is that she's having a pay-per-view match, a championship match, mind you, on pay-per-view, which is a, a situation she's not ready to be thrown into. Absolutely not ready to be thrown into. And this is not just an AEW thing. The other companies is, is, is just as guilty as that as well. I've talked about that many times on the show. But I, you know, we developed this head, this head cannon about, uh, about these wrestlers. I'm like, no, they're, they're, they're going to try. They're going to do their best. And I'm like, why, why not? Why, 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 why do, on the flip side, why do we insist in throwing them into situations where they're more than likely just destined to fail? How is that helping them? How is how is this going to and look? I might I might be eating my fucking words. Come next week, I just might. I might be eating my words and sitting here and saying Julia Hart uh, arrived and she tore the house down with Statline. They're just an incredible match. I I could be. But I feel like the opposite is coming. Why are we setting this woman up to fail? Why are we why are we putting her in a position where her confidence is going to be shaken? Where let's say 
everyone sits down and you know everyone is reviewing the show and saying what a tremendous show top to bottom except the women's match how is that going to help Julia Hart's confidence I know at some point you have to throw them into the deep end but as a booker as someone who's putting matches together you also have to realize that sometimes there there is such a thing as being ready or not and I think this is being unjust I think we're setting this I, we're setting Julia Hart up for failure here but listen and, and mark my words here I will gladly eat crow next week if we come back like, hey you know what that was a great match Stadlander Julia Hart great match I'm I'll be I'll gladly sit here and eat crow we get a video of the righteous talking shit about MJF and Adam Cole because they have their tag match at Wrestle Dream. Uh, we still don't know the extent of Adam Cole's injury from uh, this Wednesday on Dynamite when he uh, when he went to save his bro Chacho. Um, so you know they're still setting up the match. So you know, here's the thing with this with the Adam Cole injury, right? It's like even if he is hurt and he's walking around with a crutch, and what even if he's not clear to do the match, there's enough shenaniganry around the brochacho stuff enough you know sports entertainment for them to work this match anyway whether it's max doing a one-on-two whether it's adam cole you know being punked out as they're coming down to the ring like there's because this is the environment that that mjf has created around the world title right now and his little microcosm of 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 you know friendship so you know i hopefully adam cole is 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 cleared and is healthy and you know maybe it was just a little a silly sprain hopefully it's just something like that hopefully it's nothing more serious but if it is if it's something where he's not clear uh he'll be fine they'll find a way for this match to happen regardless because it's just goofy enough for them to just pull off anything is my point um and actually my point is don't take this as an as a as a signal a clear signal that adam cole is cleared that's ultimately what i'm saying because he still could not be jay white defeats andrade el idolo this was a very good match and it delivered big time jay white's being super tactical in this match trying to get under Andrade's skin crossbody by Andrade followed by the three amigos but Jay White interrupts the third one lands a DDT for a control segment Andrade fights back with a moonsault to the floor then back in the ring does the moonsault into the standing moonsault Uranagi by Jay White spinning back elbow by, by Andrade he figure fours uh, um, Jay White and into the figure eight but the ass boys get involved the rest of bullet club gold of course we're all at ringside including card blade juice runs in while the ref is distracted by the uh by the ass boys with his uh collision cowboys of the month plaque blasted across andrade's head which of course breaks up the the, the hold and allows jay white 
to kill him with the Blade Runner. Jay White, super protected, being very sneaky here. Very, very sneaky positioning of Jay White right now. Again, and a big win against Andrade. Andrade this week, uh, when they were hyping up a collision, he had uh, put out on VX. He had quote tweeted the uh, the the um, like the, the the stinger, like the ten second promo, fifteen second promo that they do, where they talk about and and in the promo they promote the the TNT title match, which is normal. It's a title match. And the uh, Texas Death match because it's the main event and it's something that they've been building to. And he quote tweets that he being Andrade quote says I don't because he says more versus more because at the end the narrator says and more is more versus more like this guy's never happy. This guy is never happy. You know he probably felt very very comfortable with CM Punk around. You know and he got his little angle. You know with uh, Buddy Matthews and. With the mask and all of that. And don't get me wrong, we got a great we got a great ladder match out of it. One of my favorite ladder matches. And you you y'all know how ex, how ex, how fed up and 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 tired I am of ladder matches. But this ladder match that they had actually ruled was like a match with a ladder in it, if that, if that makes sense. And um yeah, he had his TV time. Now he oh, you know. Now he's fighting Scorpio Sky one week and now he's losing to Jay White. Jay White clearly moving up into another lane. This was a clear definition here. Because I was like, okay, well, who's, you know, these are two stars who have the potential to rise above. Which one are we going for here? Booker calls Jay White. So I'm like, okay, this is clear now. We're positioning Jay White for bigger, bigger things in this company. And Andrade is, look, I know a lot of people are very high on Andrade Elite alone. They call him, you know, the world championship material. And I'm still not convinced. I think he has a very high ceiling. I don't know if it's world championship. And the guy is always fucking miserable. He was miserable on social media again because they didn't drop his name. They didn't say a thing about his name. He said, and more, more versus more. He's never happy. And listen... At the same time, I also know, like, don't, I'm not, wrestlers, wrestlers are generally unhappy, because most of them think that they believe that they belong in the top spots, they're, they're generally always unhappy about the spot they're in, most of the time, so, you know, because it is a business of the squeaky wheel gets the grease kind of thing, and Andrade, his displeasure is always very public, so it's only a question of time until he's back to doing, uh, you know, back to teasing stuff about WWE and uh, congratulating Triple H on stuff and bullshit like that. It'll just be a question of time. We've seen it too many times in the past. He, and then he gets on TV, he does whatever he wants, then one week, one fucking week, the guy is not featured front and center He's got a match with Jay White. It's not mentioned in the 15-second promo where you want to put over your big main event and a TNT title match. One week where you have to take a back seat where you're firmly on the mid-card and you bitch about it online. Okay. 
it'll be a question of time before he starts complaining again. And then he can become, he can become Triple H's problem then. We get a video by Ortiz now. Got Mike Santana doing video packages over the past couple of weeks and they've been trading social media barbs. And now Ortiz does a video about how ungrateful Mike Santana is. Okay, let's, uh, let's get to this one sooner than later. We get it. Then we have an AEW World ta Tag Team title match where FTR successfully retained their titles against the Work Horsemen. Aussie Open join uh, uh, commentary on this one. Good little wrestling sprint here. I thought this match was tremendous. Under five minutes, but just nonstop. Just great stuff. If AEW was serious about getting the tag team division back on track, which was supposed to be an attraction for this company, right? This was supposed to be one of the ways that AEW would differentiate itself. Remember, tag teams were supposed to be able to, you know, main event pay-per-views and be up and down the card and you, this would be the place for the greatest tag team wrestling on earth. Remember all of that? Because I sure fucking do. Because that, they, for a while, that was true. And while they're getting things slowly back on track, slowly, if they were really serious, you have the teams to make the tag team division exciting again. Look, the Lucha Bros are what they are, and they're, fan they're, they're, they're good in their own right, but we also have to be able to move on from the old standards, right? Always go, the, the Lucha Bros are back, and besides, at the same time, they've been, you know, when's the last time the Lucha Bros had like this tremendous outing this great run that it's been a while even while they were ring of honor tag team champions just this year nothing memorable came out of it. nothing there to, to remind you how great they are i thought the young bucks were going to win the titles off of ftr at wimbley and, and we were going to enter this new era right clearly not um but now we have teams look you've got the kingdom who are doing tremendous work, tremendous work, both in ring and outside. Um, you've got the work horsemen here who have always been great, by the way. But look at what they did here with a great team like FTR. They're not only able to hold their own, but really have a toe-to-toe -to -toe one. Go right in, in a sprint of a match where they look fucking good. So it's not as if the elements are not there, for AEW to turn around and say, let's focus on the tag team division and, and rebuild it. Make it into something exciting like it once was because the talent, the elements are all there. I think we started to slip when the Acclaim became world champions. You know, there was the whole thing with the with the guns and all of that. And it's like, okay, things don't feel as, uh, things don't feel as juicy in the tag team division anymore. And I, I'd love the tag team di di division to get back to the to the juicy state. <laughs> and they have the teams. They have the teams hanging around to do it. The Gates of Agony? What are, you, what are we talking about here? Like, all the elements are there for a fucking fantastic tag team division. Anyway, great match. FTR were fantastic here as usual. And like I said, look, I can't put this over enough, but Anthony Henry and JD Drake, they, they shined big time for such a short match. It's tremendous stuff. You know when, when I often talk about, 
I wish there were more squash matches. Don't get me wrong. This was not a squash match by any, let's say, enhancement matches. And I said there should be more of those on TV. There should be more of those where you have teams, your, your champions, your, 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 the people that you're pushing, you know. They should be on here having more enhancement matches. They don't have to be very long, but, you know, this is a prime example of one. Under five minutes, just a tremendous sprint. They don't have to be slogs. They don't have to be these long control periods. Just go. Go and fucking wrestle. This is a great example of what I mean. Again, not a squash match, an enhancement match, another notch to the belt of FTR. This was great. Uh, after the uh, the match, Aussie Open confront FTR. They're having a match at Wrestle Dream, of course. Both teams acknowledge. This is what was weird. They both acknowledged here uh, that Aussie uh, uh, Open hasn't lived up to the hype, right? And isn't that isn't that a little weird? Because they both say, you know. Aussie Open admitted they say, oh, maybe we haven't lived up to the hype. Sure. Uh, Dax even says, you know, that you know, they were sacrificial lambs to the bro chat shows. We're like we're outright pooping on the booking of Aussie Open, which I am in complete agreement with. We've talked about it in the past on uh on this very uh, within the, the confines of this very establishment. We've talked about it. How you know, nothing that they've been doing has been impressive. And if you had never heard of Aussie Open and you heard all the hype, you'd be like, well, who are these jokers? Now we're trying to but we're trying to build this big match when for the AEW audience who may not necessarily be familiar with the Aussie Open, don't necessarily believe that these guys are a top tag team because they've been losing. They haven't been doing anything. Treated like uh, like sacrificial lambs. I agree with Dax here. So we're outright just burying the booking. What are we doing? I think mean, they're not wrong, but what are we doing? CJ is backstage with Lexi Nair. She's talking. Miro shows up. Miro doesn't want her around. And she's like, okay, just don't lay a hand. If you go down your path, I'll go down mine. Just don't lay a hand on my clients when I start managing them and he doesn't promise anything. So I'm glad this is this was a story bump. We're able to move forward here. We're not gonna what we're calling her CJ. Not hot and flexible anymore. We're calling her uh, and she's gonna be a manager. That's what she wants to do. She wants to manage her clients. And the specter of Miro might still be around, but I might have some resolution down the road. But CJ is going to be in AEW to be a manager. So we'll see how that shakes out. But at least we're getting some evolution in this Miro-CJ tale. And in the main event, Texas Deathmatch, Brian Danielson defeated Ricky Starks. Tremendous. Tremendous main event. With more... Absolutely fantastic, gritty work from both these guys. With Ricky Starks going uh, going after this one fast out the gate. Danielson dives and then spills. They, it all spills into the, re the arena. They fight within the people. The people. 
Back around the ring, there's a tremendous dive by Ricky Starks from the top rope right into the first row. Just great shit. Danielson gets a surfboard in. Starks brains Danielson with a bell, with the ring bell. That gets him to run the blade. We get some great shots uh, from both these guys. They're just laying into each other again. Ricky Starks then pulls out the strap that they used at All Out. Choking Danielson. A chain comes into play. That ends up having Ricky Starks bleeding. And it kind of looks hard way too. Doesn't look like it was, this, was, uh, uh, th this was purposeful. Spear by Ricky Starks. And he then uses the, ch the chain to choke out Danielson. Not unlike what Danielson did to him at uh, All Out. But Danielson goes, he reverses out of it. And he goes for the All Out finish. With the label lock, using the chain, but Starks fights out of it this time. Danielson kicks his head in. Starks spits at him, more kicks. Danielson wraps the chain around his knee for a knockout, Busaiku knee. Ricky Starks can't make the 10 count. Danielson wins. And after the match, Big Bill and Wheeler Utah come out to check on their guys. A tremendous, like... Uh, just fantastic, great, gritty, emotional, dramatic. Just great stuff. The tra the tradition of the Texas death match is alive and well in AEW. This this ruled. This absolutely ruled. And I think there might be some people who are upset that uh, Ricky Starks didn't win here. Then again, Brian Danielson has a big, big match coming up next week. Don't necessarily want Danielson to, to lose a match going into a pay-per-view. That's just basic stuff. They've got nothing for Ricky Starks on the pay-per-view, which, don't get me wrong, it's a little weird, kind of a crime. But um, I think Ricky Starks is going to be okay. He's going to be A-okay because these losses don't make him look like a chump. He's not losing like a chump. He's losing these matches in tremendous, memorable fashion. Making him look like a, a, a bigger superstar than he is. Is it indicative of his booking? You know, where it's like, you know, I, you know, I always sh shudder and shrug when I see people talk about burials. Because this is, if this was a burial, Ricky Starks would not have put in the offense he did in this match. I beg you to watch True Wrestling Burials because this was not it. Begging you. Ricky Starks still has gas, still has potential. Sure, it's a little strange. But look, you can't win them all. And Danielson, well, he's going into a big match. He's clearly being positioned as one of the top stars on, on Collision. And Collision's been doing well in the ratings on TV. So continue down that path. Keep pushing the guy. And that's what a push looks like, folks. Sometimes, guys got to win multiple matches. I much prefer this to doing some 50-50 bullshit. Look, Danielson won both matches. What do you want from me? He's a, he's, he's a fucking legend regardless. And I'm okay with Ricky Starks putting this on the back burner. Maybe, I'm just saying. And revisiting this in a couple of months. And then beating the shit out of Danielson 
decisively, getting his own win back. Maybe Ricky's just not ready for Brian Danielson, which is possible. But look, Danielson loves Ricky Starks. He said it himself at the all-out presser. So this is not a burial. They're not trying to get rid of the guy. And Danielson's, his hands are, he is, let me put the, no, let me put it another way. He is elbows deep into creative in this company. So Ricky Starks is going to be fine. Just see how this moves up, this moves on. Maybe this feud has, you know, wrapped up for now, but this can be revisited at any given moment. And I like the idea of Ricky Starks coming back, going, you know what? I got I gotta shake this off my back. I gotta I gotta I gotta get back into the ring with Danielson and prove that I can do this. Anyway, tremendous collision. Tremendous! Fantastic stuff from top to bottom. Well, you know, almost top to bottom, but there's too many good things, too many positives to focus on anything else. And it bears repeating because this was a tremendous worry, but we have not lost our way when it comes to collision. It is an absolutely different wrestling offer from AEW than Dynamite. It feels different. It's handled differently. And it's doing good. Even without, even without Phil Brooks. Go figure. I'm going to leave it at that for now. Thank you everyone for listening, watching. One more pitch for a like or a subscription here on YouTube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes or why not both? And a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or five-star rating on Spotify. Thank you all so much. I will be back. This week on Tuesday for another edition of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show, we're going to have a lot to talk about. So be there or be square. Have a great rest of your Sunday, and I'll see you next time.